You know, I have always been one who prided myself on being logical. You know, I like tangible stuff. I like empirical ideas or repeatable ideas. You know, maybe I was a scientist in uh, another part of my life or something like that, you know. But if my head, if you were in my head while I am playing music, you'd probably be quite confused, especially even if you're a musician. Because you think, you'd probably be looking at like, Brian's thinking like an engineer while his limbs are trying to create art. And how in the world are these two going together uh, to try and create anything at all? You know, if I've ever seen uh, the show Big Bang Theory, it's kind of like I'm Sheldon Cooper light. Maybe very light, I hope. Um, but maybe you can relate. You know, maybe you're the kind of person who's a very hands-on or very tangible, very um, into science or reason or, or putting a lot of trust in logic. And those are words that might describe your approach to life. Um, the, the mushy-gushy fairy dust stuff just isn't your thing. Now, I know I may be daring to paint with a broad brush to say this, but I realize I've captured just about every guy that would be listening to this and alienated probably just about every woman out there. Um, again, very, very broad brush, but I, I, if you're anything like me, there's just some things you struggle to grasp. Um, honestly, it's, it was one of the biggest sort of last-in hangups I had um, to my becoming a Christian when I was in college. I became a, a Christian my freshman year in college in my, my dorms at Manchester Hall in Illinois State. And the last character in this Advent series that we're going to look at fits the bill perfectly. As far as one that is it's hard to, to put your hands on and to, to empirically repeat the things that, that happened and the things that they do, it's, it's one that would normally and maybe even this past week, drive me nuts. So let's pull back the lens a little bit on the last few stories that we covered because this character that we're talking about has been there, but has been sort of behind the scenes, if you will. I'm going to look at one verse from each of the last three stories that we've been looking at. And you can see on our, uh, on our Facebook page or our worship archives um, where these messages, messages went. But these are all out of Luke's gospel, to Luke 1 and 2. Out of Luke 1, 11. Then there appeared to him, to Zechariah the priest, an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. We go on to the next story that we covered in week 2, Luke 1, 28. And he, an angel, Gabriel, came to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And just last week, out of Luke 2, 9, another classical Christmas passage out of the Christmas story. Luke 2, 9. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, around the shepherds, and they were terrified. So what sense do we make of this common character that's been in all three of these episodes and is going to show up again in this one? These angels. What sense do we make of them? Especially when these seem like isolated stories, like stories that we're not going to experience in our life. Uh, I mean, it, I've never gotten an evite from Gabriel to go out for coffee or something like that. So what does anything about them have to do with me? I mean, it's an honest question to ask, especially if this is a character that keeps coming up in the story that we keep repeating. And, and if you listen to well, music at all, people are singing about in, in the Christmas carols and the Christmas music that's out there. 
So I'm going to introduce one more Christmas story. And it's another classic Christmas passage. And it's going to sound like I'm bringing in a lot of different characters. So, But rather than try and cover them all, or say just about everything possible to say about angels, as if I could do that in one message, I'm going to offer the tip of the iceberg as it kind of relates to our story here. So check this story out. It's out of Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. Another common Christmas story or Christmas passage that you just might be familiar with. It goes like this. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. So since we're covering this topic, this character that is so hard to put our hands on or, or to, to understand, we're going to nail down one little part that maybe we can grasp and ask this question, what do angels do? Now there are many different roles that angels play or, or tasks that in, angels take on, but in, this, in these passages, in these stories, they serve as God's messengers. We're, we're going to zero in on that slice of what this celestial being is like. That's actually the definition of the original word, messenger. Angel, uh, angelos, means messenger in, from the Greek to the English. And we see that throughout this story. We see it in the, when God had a message for the priest Zechariah. We looked at him back in week one. God sent an angel. When God has something to convey or to communicate with the Virgin Mary, sent an angel. When it comes to the shepherds and, and bringing the good news of great joy for all the people, God sent an angel. And the, catching the theme of what's happening here with Joseph, same exact thing. God has a message for Joseph. So God uses an angel. God uses his messenger. Now naturally, he'd be a bit freaked out after his last conversation with Mary. I'm guessing she's kind of filled him in on what's going on uh, as far as being pregnant and they're uh, betrothed to each other. They're kind of in between, more than engaged and not quite married yet. So that comes out just to play in some of the language that gets used. Now I get today, the idea of a pregnant fiance is barely going to get people to look up from their phones. But back then, it was a big deal. I mean, very big deal. So let's not discount that. And remember, we're talking about a different culture and, yes, a different time. So let's look at what Joseph might be afraid of, given that, bizarre as it sounds, this is God's plan. And he sends an angel with a message. So why use an angel and, and a dream to kind of get Joseph on board with things? You know, honestly, I wish I could tell you. Uh, it's another, like it's another tool in God's toolbox to get 
his mission moving forward? I'd love to be able to give you a better answer than that, honestly. I wish I knew all the the nicks and knacks of how God decided to make these decisions and and how Gabriel got recruited for it and all that sort of stuff. You know, why did God send an angel? Why did God use a young virgin? Why not wait until they were actually already married to, you know, be born into the world? But here's the thing. If I had such answer, such answers, I'd probably get pretty giddy because admittedly I'm a geek, like I said, and Sheldon Cooper light, if you will. And by the same token, you'd forget everything I said by the time the first football game started on Sunday. Because those answers aren't going to make a difference when Monday morning hits. Those are going to be, those would be the answers that are like, why does this matter to me? So I want to zero in on a part of the story that will make a difference on Monday morning. And I promise you, there is a part that does make a difference. And yes, it even deals with this messenger known as an angel. That would be, what, what part is that? That would be what the angel said. Okay, we've already zeroed in, narrowed down in the, the little slice that the angels are messengers of God. So we're going to hang on to that. So what do we know about the angel that's a messenger from God? We know what the angel said. We see it in verse 20. But when he had resolved to do this, to dismiss her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now, Joe is kind of in a quandary here as he knows of this knowledge. So he and Mary are what's called betrothed. They're sort of in, they're more than engaged, but they're not yet married. So there's actually the point where the idea of dismiss her um, is to divorce her, to end the relationship and, and part ways. But out of love for Mary, he is willing to divorce her quietly and save her the shame that he could bring on by making her, her shame public. And, and in a culture that's built on honor and shame, you could see why that's a scary proposition. Both for Mary, because she doesn't want to get um, shamed publicly, and for Joseph to take on a, a wife that is pregnant before they got married. And yet the angel gives the same theme to Joseph as he's given to the last three characters that we talked to, talked about. Do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So where, let me bring this entirely practical to the 21st century, to Monday morning. Where do you need to hear that theme? Where would it help for you to hear, do not be afraid, and it's not just some platitude that somebody says because that's what you say. Maybe it, it comes out of the question, when will I get to hug my grandkids again? Or get to hang out with my kids again? When will, when will, my, te- when will my kids' teachers get to see my kids again? You know, here at least, um, as I am recording this, uh, our schools, most of them in town have shut down, have gone all remote for the rest of the year. Admittedly, it's not too long, but still, um, to where that's just the situation. And, and now parents are back to homeschooling their kids, if you will, or being around at least while their kids are doing remote learning. Maybe you have uh, every cough or ache in your body, you start to ask, is it? And sadly, you know, fear sells. And there's a lot of people buying. And the, the stock on fear is going up through the roof. 
But four times in this story alone, this Christmas story, God sends his messengers. They're not acting on their own. God is, is sending them, giving them a mission with a message. Do not be afraid. All four conversations, those words come up. Why? Why not be afraid? We'll see it in verses 20 through 23. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So I want you to catch this, of what's going on in, in these passages, in these words, that God has something bigger than just some wild story in mind. She'll have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. So God's just not writing a nice bedtime story, but a story that changes eternities. Christian author Barbara Brown Taylor, has, she was once asked to speak on a question that she still asks regularly of herself. What's saving you today? In other words, where does your hope lie? If I'm being entirely honest, um, in the more anxious moments of this year, as we've been, what, nine months into this whole uh, pandemic and unprecedented time for being a leader of much anything, there have been times where I have held on to, you know what, of the, the five people in my family, we're all healthy, the bills are getting paid, there's food in the fridge, I'm not worried, I'm not losing sleep about whether the roof is going to fall off our house or we're going to, you know, something like that. I'm guessing maybe you have your version of this sort of back to basics idea or, or getting down to the core of survival stuff. You know, my resume is solid, my bank account is loaded, my friends are liking me, um, my, my posts are getting likes and shares, I don't know, uh, talk about first world version of it. But to be sure, it's worth acknowledging these things. Us acknowledging them leads us to thankfulness, not fearlessness. You catch the difference in that? We acknowledge them out of a necessity that leads to thankfulness, not out of fear, not to fearfulness. I talked to a, a guy the other day uh, by Zoom, and, and he was he was a guy that's older than me, but he was very proud of his physical resume. You know, he had done his share of marathons, etc. Um, something that I've learned to respect as I've done my own races like that. But he was getting to the point where his body couldn't perform the same way as it did 30 years ago when he was like 20 years old. And it, it's like if physical prowess was what was saving him, to use Barbara Brown Taylor's wording, what happens when the prowess becomes prowless? And the fearlessness that God is offering, it doesn't break with age or with the sway of the stock market. You know, check it out again in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Why does that matter? That, that idea that um, the, the angel is saying something and then, and then saying, hey, you know what, we said this to fulfill this idea that happened because... God planned it this way. Use that as something to wonder about. God planned it this way. 700 years before the first Christmas even happened, God called his shot. 
What does that tell you? That question is your next step this week. As the, we start going from counting down weeks and days to counting down hours and minutes until Christmas, how would you answer that question? What does it say to you that God planned all this out to save me? You often talk about the wonder of Christmas. And again, it doesn't come from Santa Claus or from the North Pole or from endless, one, endless marathons of it's a wonderful life. It comes from this very question. What does it say to me that God planned all of this? to save me. Let's pray together. God, thank you for writing this story for us, for coming down to walk this earth with us, to save us, to give us a fearlessness that will not break, a hope that will not be shattered, that a hope that is in you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who loves enough to offer himself to save us. So keep us close. Help us to keep coming back to you to, to check ourselves on that question, what is saving us today? And to remember that ultimately, it's you. Thank you for that. All this we pray in your name. Amen.